0: Welcome to the members-only live chat. This is when members of my channel get exclusive access to ask me their questions. If you want to become a member, you can do so for as little as 99 cents per month by clicking the join button on my page. Post your questions in the chat below and let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Tuesday night live stream. Um, I hope everybody had a great uh, uh, Pentecost weekend. Great Pentecost this past Sunday. We had a lot of fun. We went camping and, uh, and we had a lot of people come out and visit us in Oklahoma. And a lot of a lot of the people who are on here on the chat were here. We you know, Mike H. was here. Uh, Wesley Ogilvie was here. Uh, Susan Snowgrove was here. Or Suzanne. Sorry. Suzanne Snowgrove was here. Um, uh, let's see who else. The Oars. Jonathan and Mandy were here. Um, I'm not seeing them on the chat right now though, let's see Oh yep, there he is, Owood Blues um, And then uh, what's the What's the screen name for the people from Hawaii? Was it Lilies oh, of the Field? Uh, yes. Lilies of the Field, yeah. Louise of the Field. People from Hawaii came out yes. to Oklahoma <laughs> to go camping Which I thought was super cool um, and uh, who was there? Anybody else that's on the chat that was here? I don't want to forget anybody.
1: Uh well, you said Suzanne, but her sister was also there. yeah. Her sister was here as well. Yeah. Um, you said Wesley, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> uh, let's see. I think that's it. The normals. I can't. Think. There was one other person.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty anyway, sure. there was a lot of a lot of people out here who are uh, you know part of the, the online community here on Unlearn, who are also part of the unle- uh, online community on Grafted. And they came out to visit for, um, for the feast this weekend. We had a lot of fun camping and enjoyed getting to meet everybody in person. And uh, so anyway. Um,
2: we just got a notification that one of the members watching right now is she uh, just found out she's pregnant.
0: Oh, really?
1: It's Dahlia M- Emek. Oh, well, that's
0: exciting. Congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Congratulations. That's really cool. Um,
1: Beloved Child of God says uh, he or she was
0: there, but I don't remember.
1: what's Beloved Child of God, what's your name?
0: I'm not sure if we knew the screen name for everybody.
1: Yeah, that's a problem with matching up different <laughs> names. If
0: your, your screen name is not your real name, you may not have realized it. <coughs> um, but uh, anyway Aaron and Isaac are here with me tonight And we're hanging out And, and going to enjoy Some conversation over the chat Someone, uh, They're watching the, the chat And going to be interacting with us as well
1: Beloved child of God says they, they were there But I don't Oh They were there too
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, da- oh,
1: it's David.
0: Oh, is it David? <laughs> uh, well, David, of course you were
1: there. You go to our church.
0: <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yeah. David's being funny. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, thanks. Thank you all for coming out. And uh, we really enjoyed it. Had a good time getting to meet you guys and had a lot of fun. Um, so I'm kind of curious. Isaac and Aaron here with me and I'm going to put them on the spot. I have not prompted them ahead of time. Okay. Uh, they have no idea that I'm about to do this. And, um, so here is a question for you. What was the, uh, what was something about this weekend at Pentecost and, uh, you know, the camping trip and, and what was going on. What was something that happened that was um, impactful for you or exciting for you, something you enjoyed, something uh, that you want to share, you know, some kind of a, a good experience of some kind that you just would like to share with everybody, a little testimonial kind of thing. You guys have anything? Yeah. <clears throat> um so,
2: so I just wanted to say that <clears throat> this is Aaron by the way.
0: You wanna you wanna squeeze in here so everybody can see you? No, nah, I'm good. You sure? <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm a mess. <laughs> I just got off of work, folks. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh so I would say that the I guess one of the most impactful things that I witnessed this Shavuot is that the Lord was just showering us in lots of rain and spiritually I felt like one it's a sign of blessing and two it's a sign of spiritual cleansing so when we talk about Pentecost and talking about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit I think I think that all the rain that we got this this last weekend was a physical manifestation of the pouring out of a blessing from the Holy Spirit. And, um, and in saying that, I saw it in the fact that while I was uh, doing lots of cooking and things, I had tons of people coming up to volunteer and help uh, even in the rain, and despite you know other things going on, and I wanted to give a huge shout out to to all those people. Uh, you know who you are, but I wanted to say thank you for your your heart and your willingness to help. And um, and then the other thing, uh, yeah, I appreciate to, everybody's help too. The other thing to go along with how I started this out is with the rain thing is that. Uh, usually rain can dampen one's mood or dampen one's spirit and kind of steal your joy a little bit. But for the most part, I noticed that a majority of the camp did not let that bother them. They still were rejoicing in the Lord and, and having a good time and had a good, good attitude and good mood about it. And so Mm -hmm. to me, those two things combined with the, the volunteering and the servitude and of the you know joy and good spirit that to me was like a confirmation of of sorts of like the pouring out of the spirit and so um it was that, really a pleasant rain
0: i actually really enjoyed yeah. it it was just a light kind of sprinkle drizzle here and there once in a while that you know you kind of cooled you off and it was really really pleasant
2: yeah so and then also the worship um uh, was was good too. So you know, it always moves me to to do that and uh, be you know be able to be a part of that and help help with that. So um, I just get emotional and I love the Lord, and that's that's how I show it. So I'm glad that everybody, even the kids, uh, you know, were are getting up there, and and I love seeing the kids so eager um to get up there and join and it's uh, even though I think I stepped on one kid on accident <laughs> he got a little bit too close behind me and Whoops. I didn't know so whoever that was <laughs> I apologize to you to you and your kid but uh, <laughs> uh anyway it, it was good so
0: Isaac what about you? you? have anything you want to share?
1: Yeah, well <clears throat> I uh, I really love the feasts and it's a time of great joy for me and usually you know i have my kiddos and uh this time uh and had the girls and so i had free time so i actually got to serve with the guys and i usually miss the service because um like the guys when the guys that graph to go out and do special projects i'm usually working so it was like it really meant a lot to me to be able to like hang out with the guys and do security and um, just ser- serve alongside them kind of like you're in the trenches together that was a lot of fun and seeing seeing their uh, their hearts and you know some of those guys man they just you know I sit down for a living so I was pretty sore but they, they didn't seem like they were hurting at all I was really impressed with their hearts and um, and then seeing everyone even in the even in the rain, like the you know we're we're doing we're running around doing security and stuff and um um and uh, Wesley says he wants to share by the way
0: okay um <clears> to <throat> give me a call uh, Wesley give me a call yeah we'll pull you on here in a minute.
1: Yeah, so just getting the chance to to work with everyone, getting to meet some people who I talked to online for like a year and never met them. That was really cool. Sitting around the fire, talking to friends and people, that was really fun. It was just a really good connection. And, you know, the feasts are such a joy. Um, I don't know how anybody could think they're bondage. Yeah. You know, it's like someone saying that Thanksgiving is bondage.
0: It's like, you know, <laughs> well, you
1: must have never celebrated Thanksgiving.
0: Right. Or they just don't like turkey, maybe, I don't know. Just <laughs> then
1: eat uh eat turkey ham. <laughs> oh, that's kosher. So yeah.
0: all right. Uh, thanks guys for sharing. Um is does, is Wesley gonna give me a call? Or do I need to call him? Um Oh, there it is. Okay. Hey Wes. Hey, Luke. How you doing? Good. Uh, you're gonna need to speak up, but see if we can get you on oh, here. Um, okay. Um. Can you hear me now? I yeah, barely. Um. um let me try muting. Is that better? Uh, I think so. Just go ahead and give it a try, and let's see. Okay, so, i like to share my testimony on being on that camp trip with uh-huh. everyone here. So, first, I just want to say, hello, everyone watching. So, what I took out from this trip was, first of all, the fire pit. You know, I love the fire pit. Uh-huh.
2: And, and you know, it was raining. Right.
0: I appreciate that you didn't catch my ring on fire and melt it. It did glow. Oh, did it get it glowing? Aaron says you got the ring glowing. Yeah, it didn't didn't shape though. But you know, when I was looking at the fire and the ring, it reminded me of how this is what our future looked like. Even in the ring, the, the fire never
1: went out. Likewise, when I think we go through trial, I don't think our faith should go out, but remain burning, just like the fire, at the coop. And another thing that I took away from the trip was, you know,
2: just everyone's willingness to help me get there. And admittedly, the reason I wasn't going to come because, I guess, just out of fear of relying on others, because I've always been the type of person who does
0: things on my own and sees that I've seen the burden. I'm glad you were able to help come. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to come too, so just once again, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who pitched in to help me out, to get me, get me there. Keep your firing going. <laughs> well, you're welcome, and everyone everyone else says you're welcome as well. They just can't do it right now. <laughs> yeah,
2: thank you, thank you, Wesley. Even in the rain. Yeah. and and
0: Mike got to see my fire. I'm sure he was glad to see that. <laughs> Definitely saw it in his face. All right, and that's just about it. All right, well, thanks for calling, Wesley.
1: Love you, Wesley. Um, just before I do, I'd like to just say to Isla, you know,
0: just to congrats on the pregnancy. And pray for a safe delivery on your child. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, Aaron, that was a good birthday. What's that? And to Aaron.
0: Good birth kid. How oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you made luck happy. Aaron is a good cook for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, that's all I wanted to say.
0: All right. Thanks, Wes. We'll talk to you later.
2: Shalom, Wesley. Later.
0: You the coat. All right. See you. At the coat. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Um, all right. So We had a, we had a great time at the camping trip we had a lot of uh, great memories um, met lots of neat people had some good prayer time had some good worship time um, had some great fellowship just hanging around talking to people um, you know just every, it was just a really enjoyable weekend so if you guys um, you know who if, if you guys ever want to join us for a future feast, um I think you'll have a great time and we would love to get to know you and and uh I, I really think you would you would enjoy it. So anyway, um let's go ahead and jump into the questions. Do we have any questions tonight? Isn't yes we any? do.
1: <laughs> uh we have uh two questions so far. Uh Jeff Williams asks, uh, although we're probably about to have a lot. Uh Jeff Williams asks. Is the practice of lucid dreaming okay for believers? Does Jude 1-8 have an application or is its mention of dreams not applicable? Any Bible verses or principles that would apply?
0: All right. Well, let's go ahead and look at Jude first and just see if there's any context to that that may be applicable or not. Uh, So... I'm going to start, let's start with verse three, actually, you know, kind of building up to Jude 1.8. So verse three, beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to all the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, Ungodly men who turn the grace of our Lord God, or turn the grace of our God into lewdness, and deny the only Lord God, and our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain. But left their own abode, he reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority... And speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts in these things, they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and run greedily in the air of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. These are spots on your left feast, while they feast with you without fear, severing only themselves. You know, he goes on and continues basically talking about these um, apostate people, these uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, these people who are uh, fake Christians, you know, however you want to call them. You know, he says these are people who, um, they turn the grace of God into lewdness. They... They're like Cain. They're like Balaam. They're like Korah. They reject authority. They teach a false gospel. They, uh, you know, cause contention. All kinds of different things, right? So these people, he calls them dreamers. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. So what does he? What does he mean when he's calling them dreamers? Is he talking about lucid dreaming? I don't think that's what he's talking about in this context. Um, I think it's more along the lines of uh, they're dreamers in thinking that they are actually Christians because of the way they're acting. They're dreamers in thinking that they're actually saved. They think that they are okay. They think that they are saved. They think they're doing God's will. They think they're spiritual. Um, they think that they have a true gospel. They are self-deceived. and. Um, you know, so they, they're delusional basically is, is the idea. These dreamers, they're delusional and they believe their own delusion and they're walking around, um, with a corrupted mind and causing all kinds of chaos and corruption, rebellion, lawlessness, sin, contention, striving, false teachings, you name it, they're doing it. And yet they're deceived in thinking that they are okay. Uh, that's what he's referred to when he calls them dreamers. It's, you know, it's, they, they are delusional is what he's talking about. I don't think it has anything to do with having lucid dreams or um, some kind of prophetic dream or some kind of a revelation through dreams. I don't think anything to do with actual dreaming is what he's talking about, uh, just from the context of what that's saying. So the other part of the question was lucid dreaming. Uh, how did he phrase it? Is, it? is it biblical?
1: Yeah, is it biblically
0: uh, that okay? It is, from what I understand of lucid dreaming, no, it's not biblical. Um, and it actually probably has more to do with the occult and witchcraft than anything. Um, you know, the Bible talks about dreams, <clears throat> but it talks about dreams in the way that uh, if God gives you a dream... You know, he God may speak to people in dreams. He may give them prophetic dreams and visions and things like that. But uh, from what I understand about lucid dreaming, it's it's more um, has to do with more like uh, spiritualism and trying to induce those kinds of things on yourself and trying to create something like that. It, and I and I don't know a whole lot about lucid dreaming, so I'm kind of Um, going from just a little, the little bit of knowledge that I have, do either of you guys know any more about lucid dreaming?
2: It has a huge connotation to the demonic and the secular non-believing side ties it to, um, the extraterrestrial phenomenon. So I don't want to get too, that's a whole rabbit hole, (laughs) but, um, Just suffice it to say that the reality of that, what secular people think, is that is in reality uh, just demonic situation. So,
0: okay, that's kind of what I thought too. From what I understand about it, is it's it's linked with uh, unchristian spiritualism, and so you know, new age kind of spiritualism, a cultish type of spiritualism. so that's, that's kind of my understanding of it. So anyway, um, what's, let's go ahead and jump in the next question. What do we got?
1: Um, the next question is from David. Uh, he says, or beloved child of God, he says, What is your reason for thinking the sun coming of Christ could be as late as the year 2070? How does the destruction of the temple in 70 AD fit into this speculative theory? Thanks.
0: Um, so I've, I mentioned once or twice briefly about, you know, some theories I have about potential second coming of Yeshua. And I've, I've said, you know, I think the year 2030 kind of has my attention and, and around 2030, anywhere from like 2027 to like 2033, uh, kind of in that block of time really has my attention more than anything. Because it'll be exactly two thousand years from the crucifixion. He was crucified anywhere from from seven or from twenty-seven to thirty-three, somewhere in that block of time. And so, most scholars lean towards around thirty, but there's a lot of variation in uh, scholarship as to what the the exact date of his crucifixion was, and it usually places him anywhere from twenty-seven to thirty-three in that time period. So the year 2027 20, to 2033 has my attention because it would be exactly 2,000 years from his crucifixion. And so um, I think that's significant. And I, <clears throat> I don't have, um, you know, I'm not trying to prophesy. I'm not trying to uh, make any kind of, um, you know, prophetic predictions about that. I'm just saying that that has my attention. And I think that it, it could be significant. Okay. Uh, and then the next date on the calendar that was significant was the destruction of the temple in 70. And so the year 2070 may have some significance as well as a potential date, uh, for when we might see his return, but you know, obviously 2030 is going to come, before 2070. So, if 2030 comes and goes, and uh, we don't see anything, then I might start paying more attention to 2070. Right now, 2030 is the one that's got my attention the most. And the way the state of the world is, with the ever increasing amount of sin, ever increasing amount of hatred towards other people, ever increasing amount of persecution of believers, um, you know, and and the increasing
2: just lawlessness.
0: Yeah. Love growing cold lawlessness, um, you know, and, and technology, the, what's going on with technology is crazy too, but everything is just ramped up and, you know, at levels that we've never seen before, you know, things that have, things are happening now that have never happened in history. Like, um, you know, people going to the doctor and, and having, uh, their gender changed that, that has never happened in history. You know, they've, we've had, you know, people dressing like the opposite gender or having, uh, you know, maybe body parts removed, but, you know, having, uh, you know, hormone replacement type things going on and, and everything that's involved with, with what's, what they're doing with that is, uh, is really, unique in history and in a bad way. Um, You know, it's the Bible calls those kinds of things an abomination. And this is something that's happening on a global scale. Um, So, you know, we are, we're definitely in, in perilous times, I think. And we're, we're in the times leading up to the tribulation, in my opinion, I think we're getting very close. Um, But, you know, again, does that mean it's going to happen In the next few years, or is it going to be 50 years down the road? I don't know. I'm just guessing like anybody else. I have not heard some kind of prophetic word from the Lord. I'm not trying to make a prophetic prediction. I'm just trying to pay attention. And it just seems to me like things are uh, at levels that I've not seen historically. And, you know, I mean, yeah, we've seen pockets of, of really bad corruption throughout history. But what we see right now is global. It's every country in the world is being infected with this level of perversity. And so, and it's not just, um, you know, the the DNA issues and the the sexual identity issues, but there's so many other things as well, just that are crazy, you know, the, abortions and everything that's going on in the world is just so much corruption and calling good evil and calling evil good and you know it's just uh I can't help but think we're getting close. <clears throat> so I am definitely paying attention to the years twenty twenty seven to twenty thirty three. Um and I think that they're gonna be significant in the timeline of events and that's not to say that this year may not be significant you know um i mean the lord may return this year so be prepared Um, he could return at any time um but you know i I think that the uh i think we're still waiting on the the great tribulation events to take place so uh, i think we need to see that happen first before his return but we definitely need to be paying attention so all right next question
1: Next question is from, it's a super chat. Um, It's from Daniel. uh, So thank you for that, Daniel. It's from Daniel Camargo. Um, He says, is the Christian doctrine uh, that believers cannot have demons on them correct? Do you cast out demons?
0: The Christian doctrine that Christians cannot have demons on them.
1: I think he's talking about... Or
0: demon possession.
1: I think he's talking about possession or demonization.
0: Okay. So um, the way I understand um, how things work with, with the demonic is that <clears throat> when a believer is, you know, when we become believers, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We, are, uh, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I don't think that, you know, the Bible says that our our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? I don't think that the Holy Spirit is going to share a temple with demons. And so I don't think that there's this idea that both can be present inside of you. So you either have the Holy Spirit or you have some kind of a unclean demonic spirit. But I don't think both can exist in the same temple. Um, that's my my personal opinion on it, uh, but I do think that demons can torment Christians and harass them, and whisper in their ear, and pester them, and cause them all kinds of problems. Um. So, what you know? What do you do about that? You know, you you may not be dealing with possession where a demon is you know is possessing you, holding residence inside of your mind and living with you, you know, I think that, um, you know, with Christians, it's more of an outward oppression that demons are maybe harassing them and, and tormenting them and tempting them and, uh, you know, trying to cause problems, whispering in their ear, trying to, uh, allure them into some kind of a sin. But I don't think that they're possessed. And so you may have a demon that's getting you uh, in trouble because you're paying attention to it and listening to it. But, um, you know, you need to rebuke that demon, cast it away and tell it to leave you alone and stop listening to those voices. Uh, you know, if you are a believer, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, I think that you have the ability to tell those demons to be, be quiet and go away. Um, now if you are demon possessed, then you need someone else to help you cast that demon out. Uh, someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit. and uh, But I think if you are a believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit, then you have the authority to tell those demons to shut up and leave you alone. And um, so I would encourage you to do that. But yes, I think that uh, people can be demon-possessed. I think people can be tormented by demons. And I think that we can cast them out. And we have authority to do so. And we um, We have actually seen some of those things personally. Um, so, uh, you know, in other countries, it seems to be a lot more prevalent. Um, I don't know if, uh, you know, if it's just more acceptable in other countries, if it's because of the occult practices in other countries. And, you know, you think about some countries that are into, uh, various occults, voodoo and, uh, different types of witchcraft and whatnot, and that would be where you would see more likely to see people who are demon possessed. Uh, whereas Christianity is, you know, America has predominantly been a Christian nation um, since its founding. Uh, that may be why we see less of it. It's just because we—it's not our country is not full of occult practices the way other countries are. That's not to say that we don't have them. We do. There are. Uh, you know, pockets of occult practices around the country. And we do have pockets of, you know, demonic possession around the country. Um, But I think it's just not as prevalent or not as obvious here as in certain other countries just because of the influence of Christianity in America, which is a good thing. Um, But we're getting to the point where Christianity is being snuffed out and stifled, and uh, persecuted, and pushed away, and people are denying the faith, and people are believing in a false religion, false faith, and there's going to be a time when many fall away and deny Yeshua, deny their Lord, and um, it's coming. It's around the corner, so uh, I would just encourage you to hold, hold on to your faith, but... Yeah, it's kind of hot in here. Um, I, I don't have the AC running because it's noisy, so <laughs> Isaac and Aaron are like, oh, man, it's hot. <laughs> just wait till, wait till July. <laughs> so, oh. um, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get better cooling at the new place when we get that set up. So, anyway, what's the next question? The next <clears throat>
1: question is from John Brunsting. Um, He said, can Satan or demons hear our thoughts? It's a really interesting question.
0: I don't believe so. Um, I don't think they can. And um, because that's one of the attributes of God is the ability to hear our thoughts read our thoughts. And that's something we see Yeshua doing is knowing their thoughts. You know, there's several places where it says that he knew their thoughts and then he responded to what they were thinking Um, we don't have any examples in the Bible where it says that Satan knows our thoughts or that demons know our thoughts. I think they can implant thoughts into our head. I think that they can whisper thoughts into our head, you know, so, um, you know, they try to tempt you and say, Hey, you should do this. Oh, look at that. Look at that candy bar. That looks really good. You should take it. I know you don't have any money, but you could just slip it in your pocket. You know, like that's the kind of thing. You know, oh look at that girl. She's she's so pretty. Um, you know, you, you know you really you really like her. You really want her. You know, whatever. Um, the the enemy will whisper those thoughts in your head and put thoughts in your head. But I don't think that he knows what you're thinking. I think that that's why you have to speak out loud and 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 uh, tell the demons to leave you alone. You know, I don't think you can just think the thought. Oh, you know, just think in your head. Leave me alone, demon. Um, I think you have to actually speak it to cast them out. And so, you know, in the in the name of Yeshua, I rebuke you, demon. I rebuke you, demon of lust. I rebuke you, demon of theft. I re, rebuke you, demon of whatever, you know, in the name of Yeshua. And it's, um, you know, I think that's something you have to say out loud. And, you know, I don't think that, uh, I don't think they can read your thoughts. And so um, that, you know. It's because I really believe that that's something that only God can do is read your thoughts. And that's based on scripture that I, you know, I see lots of scripture where it says God can read your thoughts. God knows your heart. God knows your mind. And it never says that anybody else knows your heart or knows your mind. It doesn't say that Satan knows your heart or mind. It doesn't say that demons know your heart or mind. It says God does. And then it also says Yeshua does, which is you know another indicator that Yeshua is God. So, anyway, uh, next question.
1: Next question <coughs> is from F. Van Pelt. He says, or uh, this person says, uh, can you please tell me if head coverings are commanded?
0: All right, so let's pull up. The verse in question, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying and prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, for that is one of the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But a woman is the glory of man, for man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority over her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent from woman, nor woman independent from man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. All right, at no point in this does he say this is a commandment. He says, uh, remember the traditions as I deliver them to you. So he starts off saying, remember the traditions. So this has to do with tradition. Um, And then he says, ought... A man ought not cover, it. is that a woman ought to cover her head. Um, you know, he's, he's giving this as this is a good idea. This is the right thing to do. This is, he's making a persuasion that you should do this, but he's not saying it's commanded. Um, and, you know, he says, judge for yourselves. Does not even nature teach that a woman should have long hair and a man have short hair? um and he says that a woman's long hair is her glory and it is given to her as a covering and so there's question about is he saying that a woman should have long hair as a covering or if a woman should put a veil or some kind of a head wrap on top of her hair or is it if she has short hair she needs to cover it but if she has long hair she doesn't need to cover it and if she has short hair paul says she might as well shave her head because she's not having a covering. So there's a lot of uh, different complexities to this, this topic. You know, so if a woman has short hair, she might as well shave her head. What is he saying? Well, the idea of shaving her head was to dishonor her. And it was you know, he was talking about these temple prostitutes who would shave their heads and it was showing a dishonor. It was also referring to women who were uh, basically feminists um, you know, and, and women who were involved in homosexual practices, oftentimes these women would shave their heads. So the temple prostitutes and the feminists and and the lesbians would all shave their heads. And it was a very common practice for those things to take place. That was a shameful thing. <clears throat> and Paul was saying, if you're a woman, you should have long hair as a covering. And if you're not going to do that, if you're going to have short hair, you might as well just shave it because you're shaming yourself. That's the argument Paul is presenting. And, uh, so these women who have short hair probably should cover their head in order to cover their shame. Uh, but the question is, is a woman who has long hair, should she also cover her head? Um, and I think there's good arguments on both sides of that. Some say that her hair is the covering and some say that no, she also needs to add a additional covering to her head to cover her hair. Um, You know, I, the thing is, I don't think that either way you could argue. This is a commandment. All you could do is argue that this is a common practice. This is a tradition. This is a suggestion. This is a, um, encouragement he's encouraging this. Um, He's talking a lot about honor and shame here. He says it is a woman's glory It is her honor to have long hair. And he says that if she has short hair, she should shave her head basically. And that is a shame for that it is a shame for a woman to have short hair. And so this is a, a very strong argument, uh, to women to at least have long hair and not have short hair or shaved heads. Um, but again, it's not given, it's not presented as a commandment. Uh, but he ref he references, uh, does not. Even nature teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him, but if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. Uh, Then he says, if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. So what is this custom he's referring to? We don't have a custom for that. We have a custom for being contentious. Uh, And actually, I think that that's what he's referring to, is that we we don't permit contention about this matter um so but anyway do you have something to add
2: yeah i was just gonna let you know <clears throat> that verse you just read first corinthians 11 15
0: uh-huh.
2: <clears throat> the word there in that verse for covering in the greek
0: parabolian yeah you yeah know. you have uh yeah
2: click on it and it'll show you the click on that It'll show you
0: the Okay, so uh the same were uh he showed me in the blue letter Bible and it's so it's got cross references to the same uh concept. And so he talks about Noah removing the covering of the ark. Um
2: But it talked about a uh, it's like a mantle or yeah or vesture.
0: Covering on the tabernacle, covering of the tents. Something
2: you wrap around your head. Mm-hmm.
0: And how do I get back to the thing you were just at a minute ago? I don't know how to use his phone. (laughs) He's, he handed me his phone. I don't know how to work it. (laughs) Okay. where's the definition of that word where you had it pulled up? Sorry. Oh, you're fine.
2: Okay. So covering. So okay. That root at a moment. That's what there. I was trying to
0: get to there. Okay. I clicked the wrong part of it. <clears throat> All right. A covering, thrown around, a wrapper, a mantle, a veil. Um, so this word, parabolian, is uh, referencing to some kind of a wrap or mantle or veil. Um, but again, the question is is it referring to her hair as a mantle? Or is it saying she needs to put a mantle on top of her hair? Well, it also mentions a veil,
2: and, and a lot of ladies in, in that culture would, would wear mm-hmm. uh, veils or head coverings of some sort.
0: Right, and and that's the other thing to look at is culturally and historically, um, Christianity has understood this to mean an extra covering. So if you look, you know, you look at Judaism. Judaism saw this. Uh, cultural tradition to have women cover their heads christianity historically from early times until recent times has had women cover their heads and has presented that as as proper attire for women it's only within the last hundred years or less that women stopped wearing head coverings and it's basically since the time of the feminist movement when women started saying you know what we don't need to cover our heads, and I think that that is um, a big part of why our culture has issues with head coverings today is because of the, the feminist movement that was going on in the early 1900s, and has continued on through today. But if you look back, I mean, you just think about Little House on the Prairie, right? Little House on the Prairie, all the women wore like these bonnet things on their heads. Um, throughout history, that's been common is women wearing some kind of a hat, some kind of a, a veil, some kind of a uh, shawl, some kind of a head wrap, something. Christian women have, have historically done something like that. And it's only in the last you know 50 to 100 years that we see that Christian women have stopped. And you only find that in... Um, you know, women in, uh, what's the, I'm trying to think of the Amish. <laughs> so, like yeah. the Amish women and the uh, other uh, similar. De- similar denominations uh, to the Amish, you'll right. still find women wearing head coverings. But the majority of Christian denominations, mainstream Christian denominations, you don't find that anymore. And a lot of people say, well, it's just a cultural thing. And it was the culture back then. It's not the culture anymore, so it's no big deal. Maybe, Um, but do we want to live in the culture of the world, or do we want to live in the culture of the Bible? And so, you know, biblically, um, what Paul is presenting here is that women should cover their head, at least when you pray or prophesy. Does that mean that women should cover their heads all the time? I don't know. But at least, at the very least, when you pray or prophesy, I think it's a good idea to probably put a head covering on. And it's one of those things that, uh, you know, you you might argue and say, well, my hair is my covering. Okay. Uh, But what if the Bible is saying you should put something on top of your hair? You know, when you have that presented to you as, okay, Um, would you rather err on the side of caution or err on the side of... uh, you know, throwing caution to the wind, you know, would you rather be more cautious or less cautious um i I personally would want to lean towards try to be more cautious you know with with things like this um, If it seems like you probably should do it, then you probably should do it um, That's just kind of my two cents on it. again, it's not a commanded thing it's you know it doesn't say women, thou shalt always wear head coverings. Thus saith the Lord. You know, it's not, and God didn't say, this is the, you know, the commandment for women. They must always cover their head. The Bible doesn't present it that way. But it says women should cover their head. That it is an honor to cover their head. That it is a dishonor to uncover their head. And that it's about honoring your head. And so honoring your husband and honoring God by covering your head. And it's dishonoring to your husband and dishonoring to God by uncovering your head. And so that's a lot of the, the concept that goes along with it. Did you have something to add?
1: Yeah, I just want to say, I think if you think about feminism, it's kind of a, a rebellion against... Headship. Well, not just that, the natural state that God created. Yeah. Because a woman and a man were designed to exalt each other. Yeah. Like, you, you love your wife and she loves you. And feminism is basically saying, I'm going to be this, and I don't need a man. Right. But God didn't tell a woman to be separate. In fact, it says it's bad for a man to be alone. And I think that implies it's bad for a woman to be alone. Yeah. And that God created us to need each other. And instead, feminism is trying to say, oh, I don't need a man. It's like, well, then, then you don't need what God gave you. Yeah. It's a rejection of God's gift. It's it's saying that you're greater than what God made. So it's extreme pride, and you know, when a husband is lifted up, so is the wife, and when a wife is lifted up, so is a husband. They share in their honor, their glory, their esteem, and so I think it's just silly whenever people think that if a man is, um, you know, uh, honored, that the woman is not because literally in honor and shame their honor is linked yeah and so that's why for instance in our church Amanda is treated with esteem and honor as well as you because you're you're married to each other you know amanda's the worship leader you're the pastor and so your honor is like mixed yeah and it, and it increases and the honor you would have by yourself and the honor amanda would have by herself is less but the honor together is even more it's amplified and so by trying to be a feminist, you're actually taking your, ironically, you're becoming less than what you could be. Because by, by mixing the honor, the husband and wife together, you could be so much greater. But instead, you want to be less because you want to be by yourself.
0: Well, and also, feminists oftentimes dishonor their husbands. And so that actually brings shame on themselves and dishonors themselves and makes them... Less honorable as well. well,
1: and I'm not saying that like it's okay for some people to be single. I you think mean
0: that's just a little bit closer to.
1: You know, Paul said that he was supposed to be single. Some yeah. people are called to that. Right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like a husband and wife scenario,
0: right?
2: Well, I'd, I'd like to add to what um, Isaac was just talking about, and he's absolutely correct. Especially when you're talking about when the husband is elevated, so is the wife. When the wife is elevated, so is the husband, and there was a spiritual connection in that as well. Backed up by Proverbs 31, <clears throat> and uh, I believe it's Proverbs 31. But I'm actually working on I'm actually working on so, uh, putting together something that uh, touches on this. And spiritually, when you look at us uh, supposed to be the bride of of Messiah, um, when we're you know the way that we behave as the body of Messiah, the bride of Messiah. Elevates and honors the Lord as well. So there is a uh, spiritual application going on at the same time there. So it's not just uh, a male-female thing. Right. It's for the whole body of Messiah, the bride of Messiah, the, the assembly, the ecclesia together, uh, both man and wife. Like we have... Uh, Uh, simultaneous spiritual connection going on there. And whether you're a man or a woman, your actions uh, either honor or dishonor the Lord. And so I just wanted to throw that in there. uh, That's one of the things that is lost today that we kind of take for granted. And we forget that our actions and behavior um, dishonor the Lord quite often. In fact, James talks quite a bit about the tongue being the smallest member of the body yet the most deadly because it spews venom. So anyway, I just wanted to add that uh, in in connection with uh, uh, what Isaac was speaking to there.
0: Yeah. You know, I'd like to figure out a way because it's hard to get us all on camera together because we're all like crammed in and almost sitting on top of each other. I think I need to figure out a way to like have a second camera that when you guys talk, it'll like point (laughs) at you so people can see you guys because it's really awkward to try to have you guys sit right here next to me because it's so crowded, but maybe we can figure out like a a separate camera that'll, I can yeah. flip to whenever you guys talk, yeah, and I'll show just, you guys. That'd be yeah. kind of cool. Maybe in
1: your new house, you'll have a longer setup. Maybe we'll have something. a way to figure that out. Yeah. yeah, might be easier just to wait till you have the new studio.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be hard to do it. It, it, it would be wasted effort to do it now, knowing that we're about to move. Yeah, <laughs> and get it all set up, and then like have to re refigure everything out once we move again. But that's something to be thinking about for the future. Maybe I can figure out a way to do that so that we can have multiple cameras going. And then I can point it back and forth. I think that'd be really neat. So anyway, or, you know, a really big studio that we can all sit at. (laughs) Have have, Have a round table thing where we just sit around and have a camera further back. And so maybe that'd work too. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Anyway, uh, do we have any more questions? We're almost out of time. Yeah, we have another question. You have, you have a uh, short a short one that's not yeah, going to take me half uh, an hour. <laughs> it was asked at
1: the very beginning, and somehow I missed it, but Isaac Papa is asked, In the days of Noah, were there any other righteous people that were not spared like Noah and his family were on the ark? If so, why wouldn't there, they have been spared also?
0: Uh, the Bible says that Noah was the only righteous person. Um, And the only reason Noah and his family were saved was because of Noah's righteousness. Uh, It doesn't even say his children were righteous. It just says Noah was a righteous man. And that uh, his family just got spared because of his righteousness. Uh, But it doesn't indicate that there were other righteous people um, in that day. So if there were, the Bible doesn't mention them. So... uh,
2: Somebody was asking
0: earlier. I can actually see your arm in the reflection on that computer. (laughs) When you moved, I was like, oh, hey, his arm's on (laughs) there.
2: Sorry. Oh, I see it. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead. So, somebody was asking earlier uh, you mentioned about getting a new studio, hence, you know, getting a new place, and they didn't know. uh, If you can maybe elaborate on that, because some people don't know.
0: Okay. Uh, Yeah. Um, We are in the process of moving. Um, so in, in a few weeks we're supposed to be closing on a new house. We're going to be moving out to the country. Uh, we found a, a uh, little small house out in, on a couple of acres that we can we can have some chickens and uh, the thing I'm excited about is that it's away from everything. So there's a lot of peace and quiet and there's some trees where I can go out a little creek and it's it's really pretty and quiet and peaceful and um it's close to we have some friends that live up in that area so we'll be close to some of our friends and um but it's just we're gonna be having it we're gonna be moving to a new house soon um and so when that happens i'm gonna have some transition with my studio and i'm gonna have it have to uh figure out you know a new studio and set things up differently right now i'm uh, i don't know if you guys are aware of this or not but I'm i'm actually in my garage at the moment Um, I've converted half of my garage over to a studio area and put up a wall here. And, and so partitioned off part of my garage for a studio area. And so when we get to the new place, I'm, what I'm probably going to do is actually get a, um, one of those sheds that, uh, you know, you can, you can kind of turn into a tiny home, you know, like one of those little sheds and just insulate that and, and kind of make a studio space out of that is is what i'm thinking about doing and looking at doing and so um i think that'll work out really well for what we're going to do um but anyway we'll we'll see we'll cross that bridge when we get there Um, but there may be a week or two where we're a transition period where we're not sure where we don't maybe don't have a studio quite ready yet um and so i may be doing live stream from my phone um in a different location or something like that. I'm not sure yet what that's going to look like, but just to let you know in the next few weeks, you're probably going to see a new studio mm. sometime in June. Anyway, you'll see a new studio and you'll see transition where I won't be here anymore. I uh, will be in the new man. I am still tired from Shavuot from Pentecost weekend. We, we stayed up late and got up early every day and, uh, so I'm, I, I haven't caught up on sleep yet. So I apologize for the sleepy eyes and the yawns. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I slept, actually slept in a little bit today, which was nice. Uh, but over the whole weekend at Shavuot, I, I got up at six, 6 a.m. every day. And we went out for prayer sunrise at the sunrise. And then we stayed up late every night, you know, past midnight, talking to people. And so there were some nights, you know, I, I ended up getting to bed at 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the morning, turn around and get up at 6 a.m. and, you know, start over. Um, so, I'm I'm very tired from the weekend. I think it may take me a few days to catch up. Ooh. Goodness, excuse me for yawning. I apologize again. But anyway, we- um, thank you guys. Yeah, do you have something? Did we open up in Perth? We did not. Should, should we are going to close in yeah. prayer. <laughs> so should we? Let's close in. prayer. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah, I, I think of that. I uh, I got busy talking about Pentecost. Well, Lyman and, brought it up yep. too. So yeah, let's do that. So, Heavenly Father, we praise you. and We love you, Lord. We thank you for this uh, this weekend that we've recently had. This to celebrate your feast, the feast of Pentecost. And we thank you, Lord, for our friends. We thank you for our, our church family, for our community of believers that we are able to fellowship with, and who we have have grown to have close relationships with. People that we love and care about, and who love us. And Lord, we thank you for these wonderful people. We thank you for these online community who who come together to uh, to fellowship online. And Lord, I pray for them that if they don't have like-minded fellowship already i pray that you would help them to find that because lord i i understand the value of of having fellowship and so lord i praise you for that and lord i pray for those who don't have fellowship that they would have that and lord we thank you for your feast we thank you for your sabbath we thank you for your salvation we thank you for all that you do in our lives and lord we praise you and we love you in the name of yeshua amen All right. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for all the questions and thank you, Aaron and Isaac for being on here every week with me. Um, you know, I couldn't do it without you guys. You guys are awesome. And, uh, I couldn't do it
2: without our members either.
0: Yeah. And I thank all the people who get on here every week and, and, uh, support unlearn and, and get on to talk and, uh, ask questions and interact. And you guys are awesome. And I really appreciate you guys. And I, and I love that I got to meet quite a few of you this weekend and I look forward to meeting more of you in the future. Um, so it's great to, you know, to have a face and and a voice, you know, to, to, uh, to associate with the, uh, the name and the icon online, you know, it's really great to actually have, you know, know the person and not just, you know, see a name. So, you know, I love the opportunity when I have opportunity to meet you guys in person, I think it's really awesome. So, but anyway, thank you guys. And we'll go ahead and call it a night here. And uh, we'll talk to you again later. Have a great week. Bye. Thanks for watching. If you found this video helpful, then share it with your friends and family so they can unlearn the lies with us. If you want to see more videos like this one, subscribe to my channel. And I want to say a special thank you to those who support this ministry. We truly appreciate your prayers and your generosity. Thank you so much. And remember, the truth will set you free. We'll see you next time.